Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. this thing going. What you choose to believe is a place. Now, I want to start this off by telling you a story that I've told you before, but I want to give you some information about the story that I have not told you before. In fact, I haven't really told very many people about this part of the story. The story is about when I was starting the business. Well, Back up one second. I, I purchased the rights to become a facilitator for Bob Proctor. This is back in 99. And we had to go to a three-day seminar. It was at a really nice hotel, probably a four-star, uh, on Sanibel Island in Florida. Back then, we used to do a lot of trainings out of that out of that hotel. Um, and it was always interesting for me to go to a nice hotel because when I grew up, if we traveled or something, uh, usually it was staying at a Best Western, Holiday Inn, Howard Johnson's, something like that. That's that's where that's where we stayed. So if, hell, if I went to a two-star hotel, I thought I was in the Taj Mahal, right? And, th- and this is like a, like, was like a four-star place. So I was working every evening after we did the training all day because I was selling seats to my very first seminar. So while I'm being trained, I'm selling these seats. And then Sometimes, whether sometimes it was around dinner time, or it was anyway in the evening, we would all go outside. Some people go by the pool. Some people go for a walk. It was it was just beautiful out there. And I remember consciously thinking while I was spending my time there, like I don't want to lose this. As I'm looking around, like I want all of this beauty, all of this luxury, just burned into the cells of my mind. I could not do my first seminar in a hotel like that. I did not have the money to do it. Um, A matter of fact, the first seminar I ever did was not in a hotel. It was in one of those uh, um, corporation shared spaces, you know, like I forget what the hell they would call them. They were like corporate parks, um, but it was more for just corporations. Other people could, like the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts could rent out, you know, a small space, stuff like that. And it was in Rockford, Illinois, which is not the, uh, you know, it's not like it's a five-star city or anything. It's a, it's an interesting place. Um, and I'm really, really, really trying to get this image burned into my mind. Like, I didn't want to lose this. I want, I knew, there was something about it that I knew it was very important for me to take this image of me at this place home with me. So it also happens to be the weekend 
of the snowstorm, for those of you that remember the, the story about the snowstorm. And the night before we were leaving, I don't know, we, I think we were, yeah, we were at dinner. We went on a dinner cruise. Proctor bought us all uh, this dinner cruise out on the Gulf side. And I was sitting with him because I had worked with him for, for quite some time now. I mean, I met him in, in 96. So it's about three years this relationship is starting to develop. And he said, uh, tomorrow, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to go home. And he said, you want to catch a ride with me in the limo uh, to the hotel? We'll, we'll, we'll share the limo. And I was like, yeah, anytime I could get any time to spend with him privately uh, was, I don't care what I had to do. I'm like, I'm in, I'm, I'm definitely doing that. So I think we met like, I don't know, 5, 5.30 in the morning, something like that. And uh, we, get in the, we get in the car. Oh, no, before that. So I, we, go back to, we go back to our rooms. I get up to my room and the little red light on my phone is blinking. You know, on the phone in the hotel room, you got a message. And it's my wife who leaves a message and she says, listen, there's uh, all this talk all over the news about this big snowstorm that's supposed to whack the Midwest. You may want to think about changing your flight or coming up with a different plan or, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, hell, you know, I don't want to have to screw around with, with something like that. I really wanted to get back home so that I could work. I mean, all my focus was going into filling up this event. So the next morning comes around, we get in the car, and he says, uh, where are you going? I said, Chicago. I said, yeah, I asked him, I said, where are you going? He said, Pittsburgh. Like, I, I can see, as I'm telling you the story, I can literally see the images. Like, it's, it's still that clear in my mind. And I said, but I don't know if I'm going to get there, because apparently there's this big-ass snowstorm coming that's supposed to wallop the Midwest. And... I'm kind of like in this fun energy, you know. And he got deadly quiet. And he was just staring at me. And he said to me, and I knew, you know, it's that kind of situation where you know something's not right. And I knew that I had stepped in it. I just didn't know what and how bad that I had stepped in it. Like, what did I, what did I say here? And he said to me, when are you going to start practicing what we teach? And there, in that moment, I thought to myself, okay, it's, it's a joke. He's not, he's not serious. It's a joke. And I said, I said, yeah, that's funny. I'm like, it, it's weather, Bob. You can't, can't control the weather. And he's still staring at me. And um, he said something like, you can control anything that you can believe or you can change anything that you can believe. He said, I think it's probably about time you started practicing what you teach. So he gives it back to me again. And I'm kind of laughing it off. I never had considered anything about applying this to the weather before. Um, and I certainly did not think that that was something that, that we could do. So anyway, we, we ride, we talk about the, the event, that kind of stuff. We get to, the, get to the airport, say goodbye. I go in, everything's great. No flights are canceled, nothing. Get on the plane, 
and my I had to switch planes in Atlanta. So I fly to Atlanta, I get off the plane in Atlanta, and it's it's total chaos. And you see on the board, it's like canceled, 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 canceled. So now I want you to think about this for a second. I see that all this stuff's canceled. I'm like, shit. All right, well, I gotta find a way to see if I can if I can get if I can get home. Go up to the person at the the teller or whatever, and I said, What are my options? She says, You have none. She said, she said, this is a massive snowstorm. It's like one of those once in 50 year storms. Everything's getting canceled, nothing's moving. And I was like, okay. She said, so I'm going to put you down for Wednesday to fly out on Wednesday morning. And we're going to put you in a hotel. Okay, perfect. That fast, right? My mind is not thinking about what he said. It's not thinking about how do I change this. It's boom, here's a circumstance, and here's what I have to do because these are the rules of the circumstance. You're not flying. You're going to go to a hotel, and uh, you'll fly out of here Wednesday. Okay, great. I get in the, you know, the, airport, the airline sends a van, you know, to pick up the people that are going to the hotel. I get in the van, and I go to the hotel. And uh, it, when I got to the hotel is when my mind started to get really triggered because it was a dump. I mean, it was a hellhole. And when I walked in, it was worse than it, than it looked on the front. You literally had the person behind one of those cages, you know, the reception guys behind a cage. Security, because of security. And it looked like every drug dealer and hooker in town was inside the lobby of this place. And I was like, oh, my God. I go from this really great place to this dump. I'm still not, it's not shifting in my mind. Go up to the room, open the room. It smells there's toenails on the floor next to the bed. The door closed. And this is the part that I've never really told many people about. In that moment, I thought to myself, what Bob said, it would probably be a good idea if you started practicing what we teach. And I thought, I'm only doing this with things that I already believe to some degree. I'm not practicing, especially the believing part of this, in order to change something that I don't believe. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I am not taking this information, information and applying it to something that I don't believe. I'm only doing it with things that I believe. I said, I'm not staying here. I'm going home. I don't even think I had set my suitcase on the ground, my, or my, uh, my, like my computer bag. 
I had my suitcase on the wheels and then I had my computer bag. I just grabbed them, I opened the door and I started walking back out. So now here's the process. I decided in that moment I'm going home. But this is where I gained the awareness of something that was completely invaluable and, and it has been ever since. Um, but it's where, it's where I really learned something extremely significant. So the, in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, he says there's a difference between wishing for a thing and being ready to receive it. There's a difference between wishing for a thing and being ready to receive it. No one is ready for a thing until he believes that he can acquire it. The state of mind must not be belief, it must not be mere hope or wish, uh, it must be belief. Open-mindedness is essential for belief. Closed minds do not inspire faith, courage, and belief. I really, it was like, you know, it, it, was, it was better than an aha. It was like a bam aha. And I thought, I wonder how many things I'm not changing because the moment they come into my life and I, I don't really believe in them, I just don't do it. I don't take the information and apply it. I do something completely different. In other words, I'm reacting, not responding. And then I'm giving all the power for the thing that I want to something else. So now I'm really fascinated about watching my own behavior as I go through this, right? So I go back down the elevator, uh, talk to the, the guy behind, you know, behind the freaking cage. I said, I need the, a ride back to the airport. He's like, why are you doing, he's like, why are you doing that? I was like, because I want to go home. I'm not staying here. He said, all right. So I get back in and go back there. And I'm really thinking. I'm really thinking, I'm like, wow, how much, how often am I actually doing this? Now you gotta understand this is extremely significant because if you're not aware that you're doing this, how many things are you actually missing in life because you're automatically assuming, reacting, that you can't do it, that it can't be done. I, it was ridiculous to me at that point to think that you could apply this to weather or to a snowstorm. Get back to the airport, walk up to the teller, and uh, I said, what are my options? You have none. You have no options. Everything's going to be canceled, and if you want to get out of here Wednesday, keep your name on this list. We'll get you out of here Wednesday. Okay. So now I'm like, I got to find another way. I got to find another way home. So I go over to the rent-a-cars. By that time, they were all taken. They didn't have any rent-a-cars that I could take because I was like, okay, I'll just drive back to Chicago. It's not that far. I can be back in 24 hours if I just get in here and get out of here. Nope. No cars available. All right. Back to the teller again. And I said, listen, would you just look to see if there's any other flights that I could get on. I'm like, it, it doesn't even have to be convenient. Maybe, maybe it goes to Kansas City and then Chicago, or maybe it goes to New York and then Chicago. And she's like, 
Sir, there is nothing. Don't you realize that this is a major storm? Everybody is shutting everything down. I said, well, you're telling me all the flights going to Chicago are canceled. She says, yes. I said, all of them are canceled right now. She said, well, no, there's one left. It's not canceled yet, but it will be. She's like, look at the board. I said, are there any seats on that flight? She, and she's getting she's getting mad at me now. And, and I get her point, right? She's dealing with a lot of people. There's a line. Everybody's pissed off. She's really trying to you know, meet the accommodations that, that people want, that type of thing. She said, there's one seat on the plane. I said, put me in that seat. So now she's going to try to influence me. And she's telling me, if I take your name off of here for Wednesday, you're not going to get out of here on Wednesday. You might not get out of here till Friday. I'm like, please put me in that seat. So we go back and forth a little bit, right? There's a little energy going on there. And anyway, she puts me in there. So now my job for the next, because it's a 12-hour wait. This is about 9 in the morning now, I would say, thereabouts. And I have my flights at 9 o'clock that evening. So my job now is to hold this image to actively believe for the thing that I want. And I'm like, well, this ought to be interesting because the, the, the airport was packed. This was before they redid Atlanta Airport. People everywhere, people sleeping on the floor, laying on the floor. Uh, it was hard to even find a place to, to sit down. And then as soon as you did, you're around people talking about how bad everything is. And I, and I knew it was like, I need to stay out of that. I need to stay away from the news. I need to stay away from how bad the weather is and how terrible the storm. I need to like really put myself in a vibration of the, the expectancy I'm going home. Okay. And as I'm thinking about this, I thought, you know, it is for whatever reason, it is so important to me that I do not lose the image of this hotel in Sanibel Island. Now, one of the things that we did in preparation for learning how to teach the seminar was that we had to give, I think it was, a, if I remember right, I think it was a 10-minute presentation. And Bob was going to grade everybody, right? So you're up and you got to do a presentation based on the material. Um, and he's going to grade you and, you know, hopefully give you some pointers to make yourself better. I got somebody to take a picture of me while I was actually doing this presentation with whatever the background was. You know, it was a beautiful ballroom, right? So it was, it, it looked good. I wanted that, I wanted that image in my mind. And I was, I was literally scared to death that the image of this hellhole was going to be the thing that I ended up carrying home. And I, I did not want to do that. But then I was thinking, so this is, this is, this is really it. This is the place where so many people fail because it is the, whatever the thing is for you or anybody else, this is the thing that shows up where a person 
literally lets their circumstances control their destiny because they don't think that they can do it. And for me, it was like, well, it's not so much that I don't think that I can get home or that I can stay in a nice place or that I'll never be able to do that again. It was the, it was the idea in my mind that we can't control the weather, that we have no power over that situation. So I pulled out Think and Grow Rich, and I start going over... Um, lost my place here. I start going over what he says here. There's a difference between wishing for a thing and being ready to receive it. No one is ready for a thing until he believes that he can acquire it. So I thought, if I'm going to do this, I have to believe that I can do this. I can't just wish it and I can't just want it, then another fear pops up. And the fear is, what if I put all of this energy into this and I don't do it? What belief am I going to actually create for myself if that's what happens? So now I'm kind of starting to freak myself out a little bit. And he says, Open-mindedness, open-mindedness is essential for belief. Closed minds do not inspire faith, courage, or belief. And it was this part here that I'm going to read you that kind of gave me, it opened, the, it opened the door for how much I could control. He said, remember, no more effort is required to aim high in life to demand abundance and prosperity then is required to accept misery and poverty. No more effort. So when I read that, I thought, this is really fascinating because this is not about trying harder. It's not like I can wish for this stronger than I wished for something else. It was, if I'm going to believe in something, I have to keep that image clear. I have to keep it clear. So it was also realizing that my job is to choose the image of what it is that I want to manifest, and I have to keep that image clear. I need to, so I need to learn how to believe in something that I previously did not understand that I previously did not believe. In fact, I have the polar opposite belief. I had the belief that I didn't have the power to be able to do this. Now, Steph will tell you, if you ask, if you ever have an opportunity to ask Steph about how many times she's heard this, I'm sure she'll tell you the stories. In our office, we have uh, pictures everywhere of all the people that have achieved the success that they're looking for, um, that have worked with us over the years. And, and we have a lot of those pictures up on the wall. Very frequently, we have people come up to either myself or, or come up to Steph or Brandon or Liz or you know Sarah, anybody in the company, and they'll say, my picture is gonna go on that wall. 
I'm going to have my picture on that wall. I'm going to be one of your best students. I'm going to be one of your best clients. And then you never see or hear from these people again. And it's usually because, and I've thought this in my mind many times, and I know Steph has too, the moment that they hear that they have to spend more money to actually make that happen, that's it. (laughs) That's it. They're gone, right? It's like a fart in a skillet. They are out. They're, They're completely gone. And I can't tell you how many times we've run into this with individuals. They're, they're excited, they're determined, they're like, bam, I, I am going to be on that wall. And then whatever it is for them, the fear, the opportunity, the doubt, the lack of belief in themselves or what they can do, if, is it their spouse, whatever it is, that's it, and, and those people are gone. Like it happens all the time, all the time. And while I didn't have the office and I didn't have any of that stuff at that point, I had heard a lot of other people say things like that just as an attendee going to, going to seminars, whether it was Proctor's seminar or Tony Robbins or whoever it is that I happened to be studying at the time. I would hear people say all the time, I'm going to be like this person's best student. I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to be one of their bragging rights stories for, for what they want to do. And then, of course, they go away. And I'm like, oh, now I'm in this position. Because the next thing that is showing up for me in order for me to achieve the success that I want is to break through something that I currently don't believe. I don't know how I'm actually going to do it. And it's right in front of me right now. Here is the challenge. This is the belief that you need to change immediately in order to manifest this thing that you're saying that you want to manifest. And and I really, I was having a very difficult time realizing just how many other things I was actually doing this with, which was, it was a little intimidating, right? So I'm feeling very intimidated in the moment. So I'm like, okay, I... I'm going home, I'm getting home today, and I'm not letting go of that image that's actually in my mind. But the part about this that's still even astounding for me today, uh, probably even more so than it was back then, was that I had to not only move up, but break through the thing that I was afraid of. And I didn't necessarily want to do it. See, it wasn't as important for me to get home today as it was that I didn't let go of the image of the place that I stayed. It was like, I need to have that as the last image in my mind of what I did, not some miserable trip trying to get home. And I thought, I have to believe, I have to really put in the conscious effort to believe something that my mind is fighting like hell to say can't be done. It just can't be done. So you've all heard this story before. I 
I get home that night. I get home. It, it's absolutely amazing. Even the pilots, when we landed, said, "This is you're the, f- the only people to actually come in today. And when I was in the car on my way home, I had this big smile on my face, kind of internally, right? Um, it was... I. I did it. It was that really great feeling of accomplishment, of pride, that you actually pulled something off uh, that you didn't think that you could do. And I remember thinking, how many more things do I have to do this with? How many things do I have to apply this to in order to accomplish the goals that I say that I want to accomplish? And how many times am I going to come up against things that I don't necessarily believe that I can do, but I have to create that belief that I can actually do it? And of course, the, the answer to that is probably a million, right? You're going to have to do it over and over and over again. And I remember also thinking to myself, this is the place for every person, whether their success is made or they lose it. Everybody's excited about the thing that they want to do. You know, everybody's excited about the number, about changing or whatever. But where are you? And you have to ask yourself this this question today. Where are you in your own mind when you already have a belief that you don't think that you can do it? Because that has to change instantaneously. You need to move from, I don't think that I can do it, I have all the evidence that backs up the idea that I don't believe that I can do it, but I need to change that immediately today so that I erase that belief and I actually start doing it. Remember, no more effort is required to aim high in life to demand abundance and prosperity than is required to accept misery and poverty. No more effort. No more effort. But you must hold the clear image. Now, I always like to go back to the beginning of this quote um, because I think that it's always rolling around in my mind just from this experience. There is a difference between wishing for a thing and being ready to receive it. Now, I wished I could get home. But what I was about to do was going to turn who's going to determine, am I actually ready to receive it? What is it that you want in your life right now? What is it that you want? And ask yourself, are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive it? Now, understand that that can be changed in an instant but it's changed based on your reaction to what it is that you're going to do. What you choose to believe is a place. It means that the thing that you want, the belief that you want to choose for yourself, is already here. It's already here. As you build the image of what you want in your mind, you're harmonizing with where that thing is in the universe. It's already here. 
But you have to choose what your mind is actually going to focus on in that moment. That's where all the laws come into place. That's where everything that we've been teaching and studying and um, eliminating the confusion in our mind, that's, that's all where it's coming from and it's happening right now. It's happening right now. You can choose to believe something that you don't currently believe, and that's what's so important about this. You can choose to believe something that you don't currently believe. You can choose to believe something that you don't currently believe. And when you do that, you're moving yourself from where you are to the place of where you want to go because it's already here. The thing that you want is already here and it's here right now. The whole key though is that, bam, as you change your mind, as you change, you're literally creating new brain cells. You're saying, I am going to focus on this completely different image. And the energy around this is what? It's faith. So faith is the tool that we're using in order to create the belief that's going to replace the old belief. Faith is based on the understanding of the laws. So the more you study what we're doing, the more you experience what we're doing, the more you change that belief system. As we go through this year, you're probably going to come up against this just a ton, right? But realize that when you give yourself a moment to pause with something, you're allowing yourself to step into a place where you can literally choose to believe in something that subconsciously is not currently a belief from you and manifest something completely different in your life. You're going to override the programming and you're going to overcome the old belief. If you think to yourself, well, how is it that we actually change a belief? This is how. This is how. In order to change that belief, we have to reevaluate what we're thinking about. Your belief will be changed as you reevaluate something because it allows you to step into the idea of something that you have uh, more of a possibility of, of manifesting for you. So never let the facts of an old belief control the decision that you're going to make for what it is that you want. The facts don't matter. In this situation, the facts do not matter. Build that image, make the decision, and manifest something new in your life. Here's the key to this. The key to this is this. You seriously have to remember that it's how fast you decide to do this in the moment that makes the biggest difference. 
The longer you think about why you can't, the more you reinforce the belief about why you can't. You've got to think about what I can, how I can, and make the decision to stay into that place. Because it'll give you everything. It'll give you absolutely everything that you need in order to make that a reality. So as you build that image in your mind, away you go down that road. And because it's a place, all the things that you need start to flow into your circumstance so that you can experience the new result. Remember, what you choose to believe is a place. It's a place in your consciousness, it's a place in your reality, and it's a, it's a place as far as I'm going to take the direction of what I'm doing and I'm actually going to allow that to replace any idea that I might have of why I can't do something. Because it is a place. It is a place. Right? What you choose to believe is a place. How you choose to believe determines whether or not, now think about this. It, it determines whether or not you're ready to receive it. And that's, that's the key. Because even the being ready to receive it is right in the palm of your hand. It's just making that decision. It's not mere hope or wish. It is, how am I going to choose to believe this so that I'm showing the universe that I'm ready to receive this and I'm ready to receive it right now? It's such a fantastic, fantastic story, idea, and possibility for your life. So take this, and you might want to listen to this like 20, 30 times. Listen to it over and over and over and over again. Don't let it get away from you. Start applying it to things that are showing up for you right now. What is it that's in your life right now where you can immediately start to, to apply it to get the result? Because I think the faster that you start to get the result when you consciously use this, the faster you're going to get results everywhere. It just drives and builds a, a, a completely new foundation for yourself, okay? All right, everyone, I love you guys. Remember, what you choose to believe is a place that's already here, and it doesn't require any more effort to do it. It does require consistency and clarity. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.